Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 497. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. Yeah. Hi, Lorraine. <laughs> Hi, Lorraine. And we are now uh, ditching our roles at Marvel Entertainment. We are mm-hmm. going to be uh, estate sale hunters. We're going to yep. go around the New York tri-state area, finding the best deals we can find in uh, estate auction sales. I am personally going to pick up a, a New York City pay phone for $52. Uh, that's going to be my find of the day. I'm really thrilled. I've created a monster. Never look back. It's so fun to buy people's junk, especially when it's a bargain. I'll see you at the garage sale, y'all. I've been giving away stuff on like, you know, local Facebook, you know, Mm -hmm. buy nothing Facebook group, which has been great. I gave away like an old bike uh, like that was kind of broken, but that can be fixed and a table and some other stuff. So it feels good to give stuff away. It feels even better to buy junk. Yeah, junk, 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 junk. Uh, But there's more going on than just junk, Ryan. That's right. We are here to tell you all about the things that we're excited about this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, television, what have you. There's a lot going on, and we've got Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff from our amazing community, which I want to say up front, we got a a letter that we're going to read later in the show that made me so happy, and I shared it with my wife, and she's like, you have the best audience, the best community. I was like, I know. We do. They rule. So thank you. They do. A hundred percent. A hundred and ten percent ruling only on this show. Um, Also, there's a lot of great stuff going on this month. It's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's Mental Health Awareness Month. I mean, there are a lot of wonderful things that we should be cognizant of and celebrating this month. So let's do it. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff on Marvel.com that will tie into, especially Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So definitely check that out. But Lorraine, I think the biggest thing that has happened in the Marvel omniverse over the last week is, of course, the Marvel Studios celebrates the movies video. What was in that big boy? What wasn't in that (laughs) video? I mean... It, of course, started with just like a very stirring sort of tribute to enjoying the films and and the movies. I got choked up. Did you have the feels? Because I was like, when you hear Stan. I know. You hear Stan Lee's voice and your heart just kind of skips a beat. I was watching it with Catherine and like had her next to me. And so she knows only a few Marvel characters. She's learning them through one of her books. But she knows Hulk and she knows Spider-Man. And Hulk, she calls Hulk, Hulk. And so she goes, huck, and with her arms up, uh, because she knows he's big and strong. And Spider-Man, she calls baby. And every time she sees Spider-Man, she goes, baby. I swear, it's the ding-dang delightest. Yep. Yep. That was perfect. That's so super excellent. But there was so much stuff in this video that we need to talk about. Of course, we got to get some little glimpses of all kinds of stuff coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including Marvel Studios Black Widow, which of course you can experience in theaters and on Disney Premier Access July 9th of this year. Uh, we also got a look at Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which is coming this September, September 3rd. And we got our first look at Marvel Studios Eternals, which is coming November 5th to theaters which is also really exciting to get to see that footage. Chloe Zhao, who, of course, won Best Director at the Academy Awards just a couple of weeks ago, is the director of that film. So getting to see some of that footage, seeing that team assemble was super exciting. The shots in the video are so, so pretty. I can't wait to see so much more. We also got to see a whole bunch of updates on what's going to be coming in the following months and years, including Spider-Man No Way Home, which is coming to theaters December 17th of this year. We also have Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the first film of 2022, which the future, it's here. But that is going to be on March 25th of 2022. I cannot believe it. I'm so excited for it, especially after getting to watch Marvel Studios' WandaVision, which was unbelievable. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And then May 6, 2022, we get Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder. And seeing these, just seeing the the logo title treatment lockup, like seeing those flash across the screen, just 
energy. It was like, you get so energized because you and I, we love going to the theaters. We Mm -hmm. know so many Marvel fans do as well. This is like the big get hype moments that we needed. And then you were like, if it was just that, we would have been happy. But oh no, there was so much more. Oh yes, there is Marvel Studios Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which arrives in theaters on July 8th of 2022. And I'm just going to read this little bit of flavor text because it's super exciting. Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever will continue to explore the incomparable world of Wakanda and all of the rich and varied characters introduced in the first film. Written and directed by Ryan Coogler, who was behind Marvel Studios' Black Panther, the film will be released on July 8th. Oh my gosh. Of course, of 2022. I'm I'm just so excited uh, to see. I mean, also that name just... It made me super hyped. I yeah, I uh, I'm so jazzed. And like 2022, Catherine will be you know almost three at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm I'm dragging her tiny little butt to the movies. She's gonna <laughs> see that movie in theaters and lose her mind. I can't wait. Uh, and there was more because we saw that Marvel Studios, The Marvels, arrives in theaters November 11th, 2022. I will also read what we have about the film. Marvel Studios, The Marvels, will feature Brie Larson returning to the role of Captain Marvel slash Carol Danvers. In the film, she'll be joined by Tiona Paris, who was first introduced as adult Monica Rambeau in Marvel Studios' WandaVision, along with Iman Vellani, who will appear as Ms. Marvel in the upcoming Disney Plus series of the same name. Prepare to experience it and fly higher, further and faster with a film directed by Nia DaCosta. I am so excited because Tiana Paris, of course, played Monica Rambeau. We're getting Carol Danvers. We're getting Ms. Marvel. I'm it, it's all the Marvels. Do you get it? I'm so excited. I didn't know. I, I knew we were going to get an update, but mm-hmm. I didn't know the name. Me and either. It's just no. so awesome. Calling it the Marvels feels so big and so cool. I can't. And wait. the logo, the imagery for it is so cool. Yeah. It's got some little, you know, fun hints in there. Heck yeah. You know, after we got those, we even got more looking into 2023 with Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania coming February 17th, 2023, and Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming May 5th, 2023, which May 5th is my wife Elizabeth's birthday. So uh, happy birthday to Elizabeth when she gets to celebrate in the movie theater. (laughs) (laughs) which we've done many times for her birthday as a Marvel movie has sometimes come out around that time. It's great. But Lorraine, there was one little sneaky peek right at the end there. Yes, you could say it was a fantastic little sneaky peek. We saw it on Investor's Day a couple months back, but we again got a little glimpse at Marvel Studios' Fantastic Four logo, all lit up and ready to go. I mean, come on, that is so much. That was like a very exciting update because I think, you know, when we saw Marvel Studios update at Disney Investor Day, we saw so much stuff, especially a ton of stuff coming to Disney Plus. So it's really, really thrilling to see what the movie slate is going to be in the following years. And I mean, it's a lot of movies. (laughs) Lorraine, will you go to the Alamo Draft House in Yonkers with me? Yes. You and your, your boy and me and my girls and we'll go, we'll see movies. Yeah. Because yes. it's opening back up in July. I'm Heck so excited. Yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. And you were just talking about Disney Plus. Also this week, Marvel Studios announced that Marvel Studios Loki is arriving on Disney Plus on June 9th, which means we are getting our Loki on early, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. June 9th is right around the corner and Marvel Studios Loki straight up slaps. Yeah. So get into it. Oh, man, that That was was, a lot. (laughs) But we're not done, Ryan, because this past week, we celebrated May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. I hope everybody celebrated with a Star Wars of some kind. This week on uh, one of our sister shows, another one that I co-host, Marvel's Pull List, that podcast, we had Phil Showstack, 
who is a really cool cat uh, for Lucasfilm, who's worked on a number of the films, worked on the um, the live action shows, has worked on video games. He works really closely with the comics. He's on the art team. He basically sees everything and works through everything and has this like encyclopedic mind for all things Star Wars. He comes on to talk about Darth Vader, Fortress Vader, a great storyline by Charles Soule and Giuseppe Camoncoli. And then he just gives us tons of great behind-the-scenes stuff about Star Wars. It was a great way to celebrate May the 4th on that show. So if you don't listen to Marvel's Pull List, please give it a shot. Check it out. Get your Star Wars there. And then also this week, and I know this is something you really, really are excited about, Lorraine, we announced more Pride variants, and they are for Star Wars, which is rad as heck. Yeah, speaking of which, there's going to be also a new Rainbow Marvel collection. It's this brand new collection that's all to celebrate Pride Month. And for the first time ever, it's going to have Marvel apparel, plushies, accessories, and a lot more stuff that's coming out. It's all part of the Walt Disney Company's ongoing Pride collection. But there's going to be stuff from Pixar and Star Wars as well. And it has shirts and sweatshirts and pins and phone accessories and Funko Pops. And they're all so cute. You can check out a lot of this stuff at shopdisney.com. You can also check it out on marvel.com where we have everything gathered together and some really cool previews. But you can also get stuff at licensees and retailers like Amazon, Box Lunch, Funko, Kohl's, Target, and Torrid. There's there's just so much stuff, and it's so cute. It's really cute. It's really good. I got to find some stuff that is toddler-sized, because Catherine, Ooh. you know, she looks great in rainbows. We are pride-monthing her up for June. Yeah. It's going to be great. All right, let's talk about some really cool toys. Last week, we talked about a bunch of the Captain America figures that were coming from Hasbro. But after we published the episode, Hot Toys came in and they just threw down the gauntlet and they were like, yeah, how about this, suckers? Uh, And if you go to (laughs) sideshow.com, you can find the Hot Toys Captain America one-six scale figure, which is based on Sam Wilson as Captain America in the Disney Plus series, Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. If you know Hot Toys, you know this is incredibly detailed. It is Mm -hmm. super realistic and lifelike. He's got metallic silver and blue belt, metallic silver forearm guards, calf guards, silver boots. He's got backpack and shield. The the number of details, the cloth fabrics, the, the leather bits, like all the pieces are wild is like 30 points of articulation incredibly detailed there's a Mm. a stand with a nameplate and it's like all beautiful there's a red wing drone like if you want a tiny sam wilson as captain america to live in your house this is the most realistic one i think we'll we'll find yeah you know what's really cool about this too is I saw a couple pictures of the way that he was posed, and I assumed it was different figures, but it's actually just the one because he has so many points of articulation. You can literally pose him flying. He can be doing the superhero sort of kneeling landing stance. So if you're somebody who also likes to pose your figures in like a diorama situation, this is your dude. I I do that. I like that. It's fun. I have three Galactus figures. There's two that are the same size, but they're different color schemas. And then one that's a little bit smaller. So then I have a Galactus family. It's like two dads and a kid. And they're just like, they're just this beautiful little family that I have that they sit there and they like, they hug and they welcome people into my office. And then they eat universes. Yum, yum. As they should. They've earned the right. Yeah, so good. Also so good. Ryan, Mm. did you get your invitation yet? I did. Actually, it's right here. I am going to the Hellfire Gala. We'll be there together, right? Me too. Yeah, I I just got one as well. So we're going to be attending the Hellfire Gala. I really honestly love this idea because... It's sort of reminiscent of something like the Met Gala where people wear really fabulous fashions and there's like an insanely immaculate red carpet with just the most beautiful clothing that you could ever imagine. And that's exactly what the Hellfire Gala is for the X-Men. It's so sick. I hope you guys have been keeping an eye on Marvel social media because I'm just dead. Like I saw the Colossus and (laughs) I was like, you win. Like... (laughs) Of course, the Hellfire Gala is going to be running through 12 issues of X-Men titles, and then there's going to be one big, delightful one-shot called Planet Size X-Men, and then the Hellfire Gala is going to get exciting. There's going to be a, a lot of wonderful storytelling in addition to 
passion. I would say if anybody has not been reading the X-Men comics, this is going to be a great time to jump in because mm-hmm. it's going to sort of usher in uh, some cool stuff. There's a lot of happenings there. There's a lot of drama and action and big developments for all of mutant kind. And if you are have been following the X-Men, this is this is another jam. I, I think they're really, really thinking in really cool ways about how to tell X-Men stories and what X-Men comics mean in, you know, the the 21st century and just doing some neat stuff and pushing, pushing, pushing what is out there. So it's going to be great. And of course, if you guys want to pick up those design cover variants that everybody is freaking out about because they're incredible, they're going to start rolling out in June. The first four weeks of June, there's going to be new variants every week. So definitely go pick those up at your local comic shop. If you haven't yet, I would go to your local comic shop and ask them about them now. Trying Mm -hmm. to get them the day they release, you might like they may have sold out. So see if you can get your hands on them. Pre-order your comics now, everybody. Speaking of pre-orders, maybe you want to pre-order some books. We have a couple of books to talk about that we got a little bit of news on this week. They all come out September 7th. The first one is Ms. Marvel Stretched Thin, and it's a brand new original graphic novel from Scholastic's graphics line. It's a middle grade graphic novel written by Nadia Shamas and illustrated by Nabi H. Ali, and uh, it's going to be really cool. We actually have an upcoming episode talking about the Miles Morales mm-hmm. graphic novel that is coming out from Scholastic and it's great. They're really fun. So Uh, cute. So cute. Perfect for particularly like I think of a lot of stuff now as as like a dad and what Mm -hmm. I can read with Catherine either now as I read it to her or that we'll read together in in a couple years and I know the Ms. Marvel one is going to be up there because the Miles Morales one it's on her shelf already. It's going to be something we read together. Oh, that's the best. And speaking of that other book, that is Outlaw Relentless, which is a new novel. And this is really cool, honestly. Outlaw is this really awesome character who first appeared in Gail Simone's run of Deadpool. And so she's going to be part of a new heroines line starring Inez Temple. And that, again, as Ryan said, is going to kick off September 7th. And it is written by Tristan Palmgren. I just think that this is so cool because she is a newer character. And to get her own novel at this time is just really, really fun. And like, you know, a good old fashioned sort of Merc romp is going to be great. I was super surprised that Outlaw was getting her own novel. Yeah. So exciting. Me too. She's such a rad character. If you've never read the Deadpool run that she's in from Gail Simone, that's great. But the Domino series that Gail wrote mm, yeah. like two years ago, fantastic. And Inez was one of the you know main characters alongside Domino in that book. It's really, really good. And it is drawn by David Baldion, who's doing some incredible work on X-Factor right now. It all comes full circle back to the X-Men. One more X-Men related thing, and it's another novel coming out September 7th. It's Triptych. It's another novel in the Xavier Institute series, and it stars Phantom X. Again, I'm like, wow, we are. This is rad because these are not characters with their own movies. These are not Mm -hmm. characters who really have their own series. But the fact that they're getting books is really cool. This novel called Triptych is written by Jaylee Johnson. It also releases September 7th. And it's really cool. It's Phantom X is a weird character. He's like a former super soldier and master Mm -hmm. thief. Um, He's got clones and he's like basically dealing with all these clones, getting involved in some action and adventure, robbing museums. Ryan. Would you say he's cloning around? I would, Lorraine. (laughs) I would say he's cloning around. I'm a monster. (laughs) The best kind of monster. That's right. So pick up all of those books September 7th, wherever you get your books. But also, if, hey, you're like, I would like to read something at my own leisure in my own home right now. We got something for you. Yeah, of course. It's Marvel Unlimited because Marvel Unlimited is the best way to read your favorite Marvel stories and epic moments with a library of over 28,000 digital comics. Of course, you can sign up today and get one year of Marvel Unlimited for just $60 with code MUSAVE60. The code is M-U-S-A-V-E-6-0. Check it out at marvel.com slash M-U-Sale. Again, that is marvel.com slash M-U-S-A-L-E. Automatic renewal and other terms apply. All right. It is the time in the show where we get to our bing, bing, bing interview and 
like we did last week, we've got two for you, and they are both <laughs> focused around that awesome series, Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Who do we have this week, Lorraine? This week, we have the director of the series, Kari Skogland, as well as star Desmond Chim, who is, of course, one of the not-so-nice but sympathetic flag smashers. And I'm really excited for everybody to listen to this interview. I'm also excited for us to listen to this interview because our friend Christine Din, who sometimes comes and joins us on the show, helped out with Kari's interview this week. So we're going to get a surprise about all of that as well. And listen to our interview with Kari right now. Kicking things off at This Week in Marvel, we really like to, you know, hear about everyone's Marvel's origin story. So how did you get introduced to, you know, the Marvel Universe and our heroes? Well, listen, I, you know, like everybody, I, I was a fan way back and was a fan of the comics and never, ever thought that I would be in a position, to be honest, it was kind of a closed world to someone like myself in terms of working on, you know, as a director to direct the movies. So it never occurred to me that I would be on that list eventually. This is way back, you know, in the days. So I was a major fan, a fan of the movies. I never went to Comic-Con, sadly. So my first, you know, when I went to Comic-Con for the first time, which was in 2019, I guess, it was absolutely exhilarating. It suddenly started to become real how, uh, you know, I was actually doing this. And then, actually, maybe I saw before that, uh, Malcolm and I, because the, the uh, Endgame premiere was maybe before that. So I think the first pinch me moment, actually, maybe it wasn't pinch me, maybe it was more sheer terror. Malcolm and I went to watch the premiere of, of Endgame. And of course, it was in a small 3,000 seat theater, you know, one of those big. And there was a party afterwards where I met all of the people I was going to be working with, Sebastian and Anthony and all that. Anyway, so I'm watching this movie going, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? This is huge. You know, this is like bigger than huge. So Malcolm and I looked at the lights go up and Malcolm and I look at each other like, ah, ah. And so I think the rest of the night was surreal as, as we were walking around going, oh, you know, how are we going to measure up to the, the bar was, you know, beyond high. So, you know, from there on, actually, I think the support that Kevin and, and Lou and Victoria and Nate and Zoe gave us on just a, a daily basis took all that fear away from it. And there was awesome. always just a, the assumption that we were going to get there. And don't worry. It'll all come together. <laughs> and I think it took me months to believe them, <laughs> but eventually we did. Well, that's so awesome. So, you know, like having met them ahead a few times before the production started, you know, like what was it that you wanted to capture for both Sam and Bucky's story, knowing Anthony and Sebastian as, you know, like the vehicle for these two characters? Well, you know, in the writer's room, we had studied, we had looked at a bunch of their interviews and, studied some of their work. I, I looked at their other work as well to just see who they are in different characters and different roles. So, you know, sort of figuring out the range of it and, and what I was looking for. And then based on that, you know, I think Malcolm was really smart. We, he wrote into that. So he looked at their natural chemistry and embraced it so that we weren't trying to, you know, put square pegs into round holes. And that sort of informed us, I think, of the basic ideas of how the relationship was going to unfold. Then in capturing it, we allowed, I mean, on set, there was an awful lot of ad lib, which was fantastic. Because of that, you get this sort of a spontaneous, you, you really capture their friendship in, in the moment of it. And that's not something you can ever script or plan for. It's something that happens organically between two characters, two, two people playing a character and, and they're riffing off of each other a little bit. And those guys can really do that well. That's, you know, that's sort of an SNL moment, as it were, <laughs> uh, where it's, you know, coming up organically out of, out of a scenario. So for me, it was, I think the first time, I'm trying to remember the first scene we saw them together, I guess was on the boat, all the work on the boat. Mm -hmm. And that was where they were getting to a happier place. And I remember the, the moment where Bucky says, so this is the boat. Yeah. 
looks good. <laughs> and he's completely <laughs> lying. It looks like crap. <laughs> that was when I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a wonderful, you know, ride that we've all embarked on. That was like day five or something of, of a 120 day shoot. So that sort of summed up. And then the other moment was Sam's busy justifying to Sarah, his sister, about that they were going to be finished by the time you got up. We were going to have yep. it all fixed. And she's like, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and uh, Bucky backs it up with like, yes, Samuel, I told you so. <laughs> way, yep, Samuel. <laughs> and it was those kinds of moments, those kinds of ad moments that, that really bring, a, you know, a relationship to life. Yeah, you know, like when people think about the MCU, they really think about like the big epic fight scenes. But I think what has really resonated with the fans coming out of Falcon the Winter Soldier is kind of like the more domestic moments. So like Amy Aquino really credited you for the therapy scene and um, Sebastian had credited you for kind of showing the quieter moments and, you know, like the close looks at just them really coping with everyday life, you know, like, what was it like, you know, like having all your talent just trusting you in that way? You have to build that trust. No trusting relationship just comes out of being. So I think also I come into every project with actors who are thinking the way they think and, and are who they are. I come in assuming that it's going to be a trusting relationship. And I think that is some more to the point, I trust them. So I trust them to uh, not only do the work, but to know their characters better than I do. That's their job. Their job is to take the characters and really run with it. My job is to help them get there, support what that is, and cherry pick some of their good ideas. So, you know, if we're both doing all that, we're not stepping on each other. We're not trying to control each other. We're, we're really building on what each other's trying to do for, for the show. So I think once they realize that that's my process, it really opens the doors to, to trust. Because I'll also be the first to admit if I don't know something, I'll be like, well, I have to think about that because I hadn't thought of it that way instead of maybe you know trying to make something up to make myself sound smarter. So I think once you've been truthful and they know that I'm only there for them, then that trusting relationship builds. And so I also tell them, don't worry. If it sucks, it won't be in the movie. <laughs> which gives license to experiment. And so once you've given license and said, you know, it just won't be in the movie because if it sucks, everybody else will know it sucks too. Like you don't have to be the only one that knows it sucks. And so then they start realizing, yeah, you know, she's right. So let's, let's not work from a place of fear. Let's work from a place of strength and experimentation and creativity. And I love it when, you know, a PA comes up to me and says, Hey, Cara, you know, I found this, this thing Would this work for the such and such scene or whatever, you know, you just go, everyone's making the same movie. And that to me is exhilarating because it's most important to me that the whole team is rallying together. You know, I, I might be heading the ship, but I'm there for the, the whole process of it. And so the actors, I think, respond to that kind of perspective uh, that it's trying, I'm trying my best to come from an egoless place because once you bring ego into it, then that can destroy the creative process quite easily. So, um, and then once we got into a pattern of that, you know, they can come on set, they know what to expect. I know what to expect of them. Even if, if people have a bad day, just because stuff's going on in their lives and whatever, we can embrace what, what you know, all that energy and take it into the scene. So, um, you know, it's been a joy to get to know them, honestly. And, and they're both such strong and individual characters, as is Emily, as is Aaron. They're all such distinct individuals. I've been uh, really, I've come away with some new friends. And, you know, with any project, if you can say that, I think that is um, absolutely the most important outcome of any time spent together. So I know that the show really highlights a lot of the boys of the show. But, you know, like coming out of the finale, the two characters that people really kind of like gravitated to was, you know, Sharon Carter, you know, being the power broker and then also introducing the contestants, the MCU, you know, like what was it like having Emily come in and do all this and then also bringing in Julia Louis-Dreyfus and kind of having these badass women subvert expectations of who they're supposed to be. 
Well, yeah, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, the diversity aspect to it across the board. Uh, we never let up, you know. So uh, even Carly as a villain, you know, here's this innocent face who is sort of embodied goodness and says, you know, all the right things and has the right ideas and wants to save the world. And then it starts going sideways, you know, when she starts deciding that no one's listening to her, which they're not. But then the way to get attention is to do something so heinous that they have to pay attention. And so now she's on a slippery slope and there's no way off that slope, I don't think. Although Sam tries desperately to get her off. So, yes. And then Sharon being, I wanted her badassery to be just, you know, very muscular. So she, you know, outside of Nagel's lab, you know, there she is holding off all the marauders single-handedly. And, uh, and I, know, I wanted the fight I sequences to be really <laughs> messy and street and the antithesis of superhero. And I thought they, you know, she did an amazing job. She rehearsed for that tremendously, three months probably of rehearsal to, to get that all going. So, you know, we're talking dedicated actors who really want to make it work. So, and same with Erin, she, for her fight sequences, she really worked hard at, you know, she can throw a punch. So that's, you know, that's what we needed. She's really <laughs> tough cooking. So, you know, anyway, it was great to see. And great to see, I mean, that fight sequence between her and John Walker, the Carly John Walker fight sequence, which I'm surprised people are talking about more than they are. You know, when they fight down that, the um, scaffolding area and stuff, that is a great fight sequence. Yeah, and it's very brutal. So I really want to thank you for just chatting. And I'm so glad that, you know, the show's out on Disney Plus and everyone gets to see the next chapter for all of our characters. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you to Christine Din for doing that amazing interview with us. And of course, thank you to Kari for coming on the show. But the action doesn't end here. We also have another interview now with Desmond Chiam. Desmond, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. You know, the thing that we always like to ask when folks join us is, what is your Marvel origin story? And in that, I mean, like, what is, how did you first get connected to the characters and the universe that is Marvel? Well, uh, nice and lovely to be here for starters. Oh man, I've got a, I've got a, Long origin story. Let me see if I can cut it into the beats. Um, <laughs> it was 1997. No. Uh, back in back in my hometown of Melbourne, there's this thing called the Melbourne Fair, and they give out these goodie bags. And that was probably my first interaction with any Marvel media whatsoever because there were two VHS tapes inside. I actually came in not through the comics. It came in through cartoon shows, and one of them had the X-Men, that old 90s cartoon on it, and the other one had the 1966 Captain America, a couple of those episodes. I think the one where he loses Bucky. And there was another one that I don't quite remember, but the, the Bucky one was the one that I watched over and over and over again for some reason. And that was that was basically my entry point. And then from there, I think right after that, it was like I'd be at this arcade with my mates and they had that Marvel Avengers 32-bit cabinet yeah that was the other thing i spent hours on that thing with my friends so a bit of a non-traditional vector and it was only after that that i was like oh these are comic books after my cousin was like hey you know that those aren't the original media like you want to check out some of these things and he gave me like uh he gave me an x-men and from there it just sort of was off to the races hell yeah before i lose the thought desmond the the game you're talking about was it the Operation Galactic Storm cabinet or was it the Capcom fighting games? Because I'm always fascinated by that. It stuff. wasn't the Capcom fighting games. It was the one, I think it was, it would, I can't remember the name, but it would be that first one. Because it, yeah. it, it was a side scroller beat em up. You could pick Hawkeye. Oh, 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 Captain America and the Captain Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, it all comes back to Captain America with you. It kind of does. It's it kind of does. Although I will say I picked Iron Man most of the time in that one. But the backup <laughs> was Captain America. The backup was Captain America. So when you were growing up, were there particular characters that you really connected with or comics that you liked? Yeah, not Captain America. I hate that guy. Obviously, <laughs> the worst. No, it was, it was Cap. It was Cap. I, I got a lot. I gelled with all the goody two shoes. I mean, Cyclops from the X Men was another favorite of mine. Uh, the Blue Ranger and the Power Rangers and, and stuff like that. Like, I, it was not. 
Yeah, I wasn't well treated on the playground. Um, <laughs> but no, Cap was like the first one, I think, because he did have this just chipperness to him that was pretty key to navigating the early parts of my life. You know, there, there was a, I, I don't want to lean into stereotypes, but my parents in particular were, were pretty hard. Uh, you know, they very pushed me very, very hard. And there was, a, there was an aspect of like, you have to be the best at everything you do. And is that not just Cap's kind of thing as a peak human? Um, so that was kind of, I keep using this word in every interview, but it's, it's the best way I can describe it. It's, it's kind of a totemic force for me. It is what you need at the time at any given point. So like, as I progressed through life and got to like, you know, a little bit older in uni and I had some, you know, personal things happen to me, I could look to his story of losing Bucky to sort of, it was silly, you know, definitely wasn't the right way to go about it, but I could look to his story in losing Bucky to kind of re-navigate and recalculate my position and sort of get back on my feet as it were and then even later in life you know now it's sort of like well you know this industry you take some body blows you get hit down a lot until you make it you're taking punches and again you know as the mcu caps has has kind of defined he can do this all day you know that was that gave me you know that gives me still the strength to sort of push through a lot of things so cap yeah for sure he's the guy for me it worked out nicely, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did, it did. And then this came through and it was like, ah, oh, man, when the offer came through, it was kind of like, well, I won't I, but it was in Cap's corner of the universe and there was no way. There was there was no way I was going to say no. Like, <laughs> serendipitous, you know? Yeah. You, you've hit on a couple things that I saw on a great Twitter thread that you posted. It was like 16 tweets long. Yeah, and... not, not designed for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> to me, though, that, that's like, it was really great. It was very... Very inspiring and very heartwarming, and I thought it was really cool. It was one of the reasons why I pushed to want to have you on the show because I was like, this is a story that I want to share with. I want to make sure our listeners who are loving the the series also get to learn a little bit more about about you and about your story. You've touched on some of it. Could you explain what you posted a little bit? Well, it was a, it was a it was a rare sort of moment of honesty. If you go back over all my the rest of my social media, it's just a melange of, of cynical doublespeak and 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 just sort of hiding behind this veil of humor. But I really do subscribe to the idea as an actor that the more you know about me, the harder it is for me to do my job. So this was on many levels kind of a tough one to post up. And, you know, I was combating a lot of, right now, Asian America is going through a lot of bad things. There's no, there's no way to catch that term. It's, it's horrific. And there are a lot of issues that we as a community have. And and one of them is sort of owning our spot and claiming our spotlight and, and, and talking about that there is a vein of, we're not ready until we're like, like truly, truly the best, you know, we have to be the best and we're not even worthy. And I was just kind of like, I don't know what I was feeling today. I was going through the photos and I was just kind of like, huh, I need, there was a lot packed into this photo that, that I should probably unpack. And I just sat down in front of the keyboard and I just started writing and it just sort of came out. And at the end I was, I was like pretty emotional. Like I wasn't crying, but it was relatively emotional for me. And my wife was like, you good. And I was like, I just wrote this thing. I don't know if, I don't know if I should or shouldn't. And in the end we did. And I'm glad I did. Cause it seems to have resonated with a lot of people. And, and like you said, I touched on the broad strokes of the story. You know, Cap has been that that almost shamanistic kind of force in, in a way to keep me going through a lot of things. I mean, I guess I shared it on the post. I, I don't talk about it, but I did have a friend pass away in, in, a, in college and university. And that was extremely tough because, again, we don't talk about stuff in our communities. So I didn't have a lot to fall back on except for media. You know, my best friend is gone. Uh, I only had media to fall back on. So I did fall back on some old childhood tropes and, and Cap came up again and it just so serendipitously, I was like, well, he, he lost Bucky and he reformed into this, this superhero. You know, it didn't stop him. It only made him better. And that, that was very much in the line of my friend's psychology as well. So those two sort of dovetailed together and helped pull me through. I'm sort of like the best way to honor the legacy is to is to be the best person that I can be and 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 treat people with kindness and genuine kindness I think is is something else that cap brings. So to to get the chance to to be on set in the moment they told us we had taken the super serum and I know we're doing it for villainous purposes but on screen like to have the same kind of technical prowess I guess as cap really just multiplies a lot of those spiritual and emotional feelings that feed you when you're out you know and that's something that i think steve rogers 
does very well without edging into the territory of being this kind of nebulous philosophy. He's solid, he's grounded, he is what he is, you know? So yeah, that's, without touching on the stuff that I already did before, I don't want to repeat it, but yeah, that was where we were with that. I mean, I think, you know, reading it is really, really touching, and I'm I'm so glad that you shared it. And, you know, it's it's really interesting the way that you put that, because that's something that you know, when you think about it, I, I and I love about the series is that, you know, you get to see sort of like what Captain America could be. So knowing this huge love of Cap, what was your reaction when they first said, OK, you, you, they would like you to be on this series? <laughs> oh, man, I, I freaked out as much as as much as I do freak out. I keep it. I play pretty cool. But I know I was, <laughs> I was in the gym, uh, and of all the places, I was in the bloody gym <laughs> when I got the call that I was going to be in the series. And I hadn't told anyone that I was out for it because, again, I just I play things pretty close to the chest. I didn't even I hadn't even told my wife. And after I got off the call, I was kind of a bit shell shocked. I was like, uh, didn't know what to say. And then she was like, "You okay? What just happened?" And I was like, "Oh, Marvel." Marvel called? And she's like, what do you mean Marvel called? What are you talking about? They just called you out of the blue? You have Marvel on speed dial? Yeah, sure, buddy. I married you. I know you better than that. Um, so, uh, But I was, yeah, just completely lost to words. And I was just kind of, my head was my hands. And I was just like rubbing my face and just like, what's going on? What's going on? And then these like, this this lovely trio of, of the nicest gym bros. Big dudes. They must have been 215 pounds ripped. They Each of them came over and they were like, Bro, are you okay, man? Are you good? Are you good? If you lift it, you you gotta lie down, dude. Like if you gotta you gotta you know don't you gotta let the blood blood go. And I was like, I'm good, I'm good. No, it's not related to to weightlifting. You guys don't do bench presses and spot each other. You you're all. They wanted to emotionally spot you. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> I love those people. I hope I see them again. That would be so nice. Uh, I haven't gone to that gym obviously because of the pandemic, but we hit immediately after. But. Geez, we spent another like three hours in there after getting that call. <laughs> Super soldier time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your character. For anybody who, I can't imagine anybody listening to this, has not watched Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, pause, go watch it on Disney+, Plus, please, and then come back. Tell us a little bit about the philosophy behind the Flag Smashers and sort of your read on, on that as you started to dig into the script and the story of the series. Yeah, so uh, Flag Smasher was a character from early uh, Captain America days, uh, Carl Morgenthau, uh, who's now become Carly Morgenthau, played by the incredible Erin Kellyman. Like, this girl, man, I can't, I can't say enough good things about her as a person and as an actress. We are essentially fighting for people who have been displaced by the blip, um, and after everyone came back after the blip, the people who had found purchase in a society where they otherwise would not have been able to were sort of kicked out and, and moved around. And we are some of those souls. Uh, you know, we all have, I don't think it's in the, I don't think it ends up on screen, but we all have a first-hand experience with that, you know. Uh, and obviously, as a collective is wanted to do, we have many different thoughts on how this should be achieved. And I think Dovich's purpose is to demonstrate that to some degree, you know, otherwise it does become a little monolithic with, you know, Carly's single purpose drive towards escalating her actions to, to make this goal happen. Dovich is not on board with that, if that makes any sense. Um, and, and it doesn't get played with too much, you know, beyond what we've seen. But it just goes to show, I think, it's important in any sort of story about a social movement to not demonstrate it as a monolith. And I think that's something that has been done responsibly here, because when you demonstrate a social movement as a monolith, people get left behind. And we're currently dealing with the very direct fallouts of that in our current society. And I think that's just a socially responsible, very important thing to do. Um, is it the end of the problem? No. Is it the solution? No. But it is one piece of, uh, of something that, that is super, super important. I've gone off on a complete tangent here. No, that was, that was not a tangent. That was all. That was the correct answer. There are correct answers on this podcast, yeah. and that was it. Oh, my God, I'm going to tell um, my dad. <laughs> I'll tell my dad I got 100%, and he's just, ah. Oh, he's going to be so happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, you mentioned Dovich not being on board. How do you think his philosophy differs from Carly and some of the other Flag Smashers? When Carly's painting this picture of the future as her as a teacher, there, there is this moment of like, 
yeah, he's an optimist. He's like, yeah, we can get there. We're going to get there. And we're going to do it the right way. And you're going to become a teacher. And I'm going to be the first student in your class was kind of the subjects of, of, of that one scene, you know, before she blows up the building and everything. <laughs> and then even at the end, when he's fighting, he's loyal to her. You know, and this, this is something I discussed in production. And it's not, again, a lot of stuff that didn't make it, but, you know, Mama Donya, the character who passed away and sort of set her on, on a path, Mama Donya is to her as she is to Dovich in a lot of ways. So, so to see her go through this kind of violent transformation is, is pretty painful for him. He's not going to abandon her. There's no way. Um, he will fight the fight. But even in those last fight scenes, again, very few moments to do it. But there's a desperation to Dovich and his fighting that I tried to work in there, you know, along with my lovely stunt double, Kim Do, that is kind of a desperate fighting of a guy who knows this isn't the way, but he has nothing else to do. And, you know, even when we were doing the VO for the screams and the grunts and the fights, there is a pitched desperation. There is voices breaking and stuff, and he's not winning, and he doesn't even know if he wants to. The heart's not in the fight to some degree by the end of it. You know, and it's, it's small things like that, and those are, those are tiny things that we just keep in our head to make sure the characters stay real. We don't know if it ever makes it, but, you know, that's sort of where we were coming from there. I always love having that sort of insight. And again, you know, I think that's the thing I love about the series is it really deals with as as much as it's about like a guy in a flying suit um, and a guy with a metal arm, which is awesome. Uh, it also deals with like, you know, some really, really real world emotion. This series does that well when they when they said it sort of returned to that Winter Soldier kind of feel. They were right. I think there was a lot of characterization in that film that made that film successful. And there is such a legacy to be struggled with here. They, they did a great job. They did a great job. They did. We're, we're going to wrap up soon. There's a, something I've been thinking about as I've been watching the series and just sort of the events in the MCU, because obviously Dovich and the, the Flag Smashers survived Thanos' snap. There's much discussion in the series about the blip's effects on like everyone. Do you think it's harder to push on when half the world disappears or is it harder to come back to a changed world after five years? I got to give the Steve Rogers answer to this. It's harder to push on when half the world has disappeared. You know, at the end of the day, you've you've lost something. You know what? Okay, sure. We have if we bring everyone back, we have what seven, eight billion people on this planet. Then seven or eight billion people are going to find a way to keep seven or eight billion people on this planet. That to me is the way more human answer to things. And I, I think, I mean, if you watch him through Endgame and Infinity War, it's, there's no, there's not even a question. There's not even a moment. There's not even a moment of decision for Cap, right? You, you see that that is the only way. That's the only answer for him. And I think that's what his character is all about. It's about, it's not just about being peak human. It's about human spirit too. And that's not a power. That's just something anyone can have. I feel like we've gone full circle. <laughs> um, speaking of, where can fans check you out on Twitter or Instagram also so they can read your wonderful tweet thread? Oh, goodness. I'm the same name on both. It's Des Chiam, uh, D-E-S-C-H-I-A-M for Mary. You can check those posts out. You can check out my other incredibly disingenuous posts. Uh, <laughs> the one moment of genuineness you'll get from me. But yeah, come say hi. I hang out in my comments. <laughs> yeah, go hang out, Marvel fans. Um, thank you so much for talking with us, Desmond. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me on. Thanks, Desmond. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Big thanks again to Desmond for uh, taking the time to talk with us and share some really great stories. He's just so positive and cool, and I can't wait to see what he does next. He was wonderful. Yeah, he truly was a delight. Thank you both. And of course, you guys can watch all episodes of Marvel Studios, The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, only on Disney+. Plus. Before we get into our question of the week and our community section, we want to take a moment to remember artist John Paul Leone. He um, passed away this week, and I think the entire mm. uh, comic book community was stunned. John Paul Leone is... It's a t something we talk about on Marvel's Pullist. He's an artist artist. He is celebrated by fans, but there is not a single comic book artist who didn't look at John Paul Leone's work and go, I'll never be that good. Or, oh my God, he was doing things and he was incredible from the jump. He had done tons of work for DC and Dark Horse. He'd had a lot of work for us over the years. Um, most notably, for especially for me, was his work on Earth X, which mm -hmm. I read pretty hardcore last year. 
and he was he's an incredible draftsman storyteller i think this one hit a lot of our mm-hmm. other artists very hard Ar- artists and writers and people in in marvel if you've never read his works go to marvel unlimited or go to your local comic shop check out earth x just mm-hmm. see what he, he's done on that series because it's it's spectacular to see. He's also worked on Logan, Path of the Warlord, The Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, which is a really great series from the 90s. Uh, he had some work on Daredevil, a great run on Black Widow that has just got some beautiful, beautiful pages. Yeah, John Polion was was a wonderful artist, and we extend our condolences to his family and friends. All right, as we are moving along with the show, it is time for our question of the week because next week our guest on the show is Justin A. Reynolds, author of Miles Morales Shockwaves, the book that we were talking about just a little while ago. Lorraine, what is our question of the week? Our question of the week is, what is your favorite Miles Morales supporting character? You can tweet us your answers using hashtag this and we can marvel. You can email them to twinpodcast.marvel.com or you could send us a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. And please make sure to tell us if it's okay to read because if it's not, we won't. Thanks. <laughs> we, we can't. This is a good one. It'll really factor into our conversation with mm-hmm. Justin that everybody hears next week. I am torn between Rio, who is Miles' mom, and Genki, who is like, Genki is like Miles. You know. I'll just say I'm a Genki doodle dandy. I love Genki. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I'm a Genki doodle dandy. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be singing that all day. You owe George M. Cohen like 25 cents for that. I always will. <laughs> I mean, Genki is just, I mean, Rio really has so much heart. Genki just makes me laugh. But also there's so many great characters that are connected to Miles and, and his story. So get into it. Let us know what you guys think. Yeah, of course. And we'll take it from the the comics, the movies, the video game, wherever. Because Miles has got a really great swath of supporting characters and some of them don't overlap Uh, so Mm -hmm. let us know uh, in all the ways that Lorraine said it is time now for our community and last week's question of the week was and again spoilers we're a couple (laughs) weeks away but still spoilers what was your reaction when Sam Wilson put on the Captain America suit for the first time in Marvel Studios the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Yes, we have this one here from Dalen Marie at Dalen Marie, which says, I was really excited. I loved seeing Sam in the new suit. Three exclamation points right there, which I agree with. Angela Burns at Wild Crazy Kitty One says, if I'm being honest, when Sam gave the shield to the government, I wanted them to give it to Bucky because I love Bucky, little heart symbol. But when I saw Sam in the suit, I was very excited. Sam is a good man and a great superhero. He makes a great cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have this one from Sam Johnson at Sam Johnson, which says, when I first saw him throw the shield through the window, I was like, okay, okay. And then he landed and I hit pause and immediately called a friend who had already watched and proceeded to fangirl with her. I was so excited to see it. <laughs> I love Hell that. Yeah. I love that. Sagar at Zvidia Sagar says, seeing Sam in the new suit was the highlight of the entire season. My kids and I cheered in amazement throughout the episode. I felt great seeing a man of color and a non-super soldier as Captain America. Would love to see Sam and Bucky in a movie. Next up, we have one from Sean Winningham at Swinning, which says, I was just listening to Ryan and Lorraine on This Week in Marvel, and they got me so pumped for free comic book day. And now I want to check out the Disney Wish cruise ship. Um, me too. Yeah. Uh, Disney Disney Cruise Line, holler at your, your twin fam. We're ready. Yeah. Next one says, I was pleasantly surprised and proud. I thought, hell yeah, I am taken that Marvel would present an African-American man as Captain America. Thank you, Marvel and Malcolm Spellman. Of course, Malcolm Spellman was the head writer of this season and an incredible, incredible asset to the Marvel Studios team. He did fabulous work on the show. Yeah. Next up, we have this one from Kevin at VonnieKH74, which says... Ryan, with your upcoming milestone for TWIM on the horizon, episode 500, I hope you will be around for the next big Marvel milestone, episode 616. That one really needs to focus on alternate universes. Lol, would be a cool twist. 
yes, Kevin, great idea. In two years, when we hit 616, because <laughs> that's about what roughly what it'll be. So in, uh, gosh, that'll be like April-ish 2023, when we're getting ready for Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah, we'll, episode 616. Put it on the calendar right now. We're going to be talking yep. about alternate realities. We'll see you there. See you there. Uh, we got a great message from our pal Jenny Huang on Facebook. She says, another great podcast. And she says it was a surprise to see Sam wearing the Captain America suit and wings. It's a good surprise. I hope, Jenny. All right, Lorraine, I'm going to read the email that I mentioned at the top of the show. Do uh, it. This one comes from CJ. And he says, hi, This Week in Marvel. My name is CJ, and I'm a new listener to the show. Hi, CJ. I'm also a new comic book reader, reading my first comic book just a few weeks ago. Crazy, it took me until 21 years old to start, but better late than never. I started by reading the Empire event line on Marvel Unlimited, and I instantly became hooked on comics. Within a week, I'd read all the books in the event, and I've read about 50 more comics since. I should probably pay a bit more attention to finals, huh? Uh, this is me saying this, CJ. Yes, please. <laughs> please focus on your studies. Back to CJ's note. He says, I've absolutely fallen in love with the character of Hulkling. I mean, Emperor Hulkling. I can't even begin to express how many times I've shed a tear while reading the stories he is in because I truly see myself in him. I'm also a gay kid that has struggled to find exactly where he fits into the world. It means so much to me to have a character I relate to and see that he has such a fantastic story and wonderful love life. The love of Hulkling and Wiccan is so incredible, and seeing that love prominently displayed in Marvel's comics makes me so proud to be a gay Marvel fanboy. If the MCU needs their live-action Hulkling anytime soon, I know a guy that would love to bust out his acting chops and portray him. He says that guy is absolutely him. Okay, CJ, we'll pass that along. And CJ finishes up by saying, Thank you for reading my comic story and for providing such an awesome podcast. No one else I know reads comics or gets into the movies as much as I do. So, listening to the show is like finally having someone to talk Marvel with. Thank you so much for that. Excelsior, CJ Daly. CJ, this letter gave me so much mm -hmm. positive energy that I needed at the end of last week, and we held on to it until this week. I shared it with the editors of the comic books, the the Empire line, who really, really enjoyed reading it and like meant a lot to them. I asked them to pass it along to folks who worked on those books. Uh, I shared it with a whole bunch of people because this is the kind of thing that it really means a lot to the folks here at Marvel, knowing that the things that we do can affect our fans. We know it, but like actually hearing it, it really helps, uh, especially in times when we get stressed out or, you know, work from home is tough or what have you. Your letter, CJ, brought a lot of light and energy to all of us. So thank you. And also, you know, I think it's so incredible that you reached out to us and that you are working on building up your community of folks who like what you like. So we're here for that. We're excited to be part of your community every week. All right. So next up, we have an email from Ron Lake, which says, gang, I'm an old fart. So I'm about a month behind the show as my serious XM time is limited. Where were you in my childhood when I needed the show the most? Sorry, time travel questions and rants should be considered for comedic purposes only. Love the show. The energy is great. Two things, one of which will be major shade and is just meant to be a teasing offering and not a truly insulting insult. One, have you ever referred as show or titled a show Twim Peaks? I, I love this so much. We have not because we have failed. But, but it never say never. Yeah. We just need a reason. We need to. Here's what we need to do. We need to get David Lynch on the show. There we go. And then we, uh, if we can get David Lynch, then we can do a Twin Peaks episode. I'll carry around a log for the whole thing. <laughs> he goes on to say, Modoc is vastly underused as a villain. I gave him the name by Detonator as a reflection of them making him almost useless instead of the almost cosmic cube power level he could be. Read the Modoc Head Games book. He trounces oh. everybody. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, do it. I give permission 
to mock this on the show as it is about as fluffy as the letter I had published in Cable and Deadpool. Ron Lake. Oh, Ron Lake. You know what? Some people like Swan Lake. I like Ron Lake. Oh, that was perfect. Ron, thank you for that email. It was great. And then let's wrap up our community section with uh, an email from our pal, Jason. Jason says, Dear Ryan and Lorraine, aloha from Hawaii. I'd like to give a few local comic shop shout outs. Dragon's Lair and Westside Comics and Games on Oahu. Maui's Comics and Collectibles, Kawabunga Comics in Okanamawak, Wisconsin, Gotham Underground Comics in Ramsey, New Jersey, Yancey Street Comics South in Tampa, Florida. And he says, please support your local comic shop. Everybody have a great weekend by reading some awesome comics. Aloha. I love Jason's energy and always getting an email from our pal over in Hawaii. What a nice roundup of mail from our pals. Yeah, I love mail. That's great. All right, that's it for us. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Alexis Williams, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Pinobos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Put your pedal to the metal with Colossus Sauces. Colossus Sauces, too saucy to sauce. I don't fully get it, but I love it because you're cracking up. I'm Ryan. I'm <laughs> This is Marvel. Your universe. We got to snort, y'all. <laughs> 